You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. When I was talking to Ellen Quinn from Hearst Botanicals earlier in the show, you heard about the Food for Thought with Love in Dublin talk stage that I'm delighted to be hosting at this year's Taste of Dublin. Another guest that I'll be talking to during the festival, which starts this Thursday and runs until this Sunday, the 18th of June, is Brandon Guinan from Fear Via Farm in County Leash. Brandon has an enthralling story that he has shared with me before we came on air. Let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Brandon, thanks a million for taking the time to talk to me today. You are in the middle of deliveries in in Dublin city centre, so I know you are a very busy man, as all farmers are, and your farm is called Servia. It's based down in Port Leash, and it's a family farm. Yes, how is Sharon? I was born and raised on a dairy farm, actually. We had 70 cows. 300 acres and it was a great place to actually grow up on. I was supposed to be the farmer as well, which was very encouraging. Basically, I wanted to farm chemical free and uh, dad didn't believe that he could actually farm chemical free. He was brought up all the way through the uh, 60s, 70s, 80s and uh, when chemicals were coming in and chemical fertilizer sprays, all that kind of stuff. And I it's what, 20 years ago now, uh, I wanted to farm without chemicals. I want to ask you why you decided that going chemical free was the way to go. It, it might make complete sense to people now, but obviously your father was that older generation. And by the signs of it, it took some convincing. So why did you decide that chemical free was the way to go? I decided to go chemical free for health that's the that's the number one reason. Um, it's not that I was afraid of the food that was out there as it is, but I had a young family. Plus, I wanted autonomy. I wanted to have a say in what our um, family ate. So we got two pigs, two cattle, um, 12 hens, six turkeys. I grew my own vegetables as well. Another advantage of doing all this was it was it kept the children connected with farming as well uh, on a small scale and it was something that kind of uh, I could connect with them with on as well because at that stage I had my own business um, I was away from home a lot and um, it was a great way of actually giving the kids something to do um, when I was away watering the tunnel and and pulling the weeds and and uh, feeding the animals the downside was some of the kids actually got too attached to the animals as well especially the pigs they trained the pigs in how to sit like a dog to get an apple and uh, so and get treats. So that was one of the downsides. They, they named all the animals as well, and, and that which wasn't good either. So they were more like pets as opposed to there for, for food down the line? Yes, yeah. There was some protests there when it came to the time. Um, there was definitely a week of mourning for several pigs. and uh, But at the same time, I love to see the empathy that was there but uh, and that the kids had um, and it was a great way of, of opening their eyes to where the food actually comes from. Now it wasn't easy at the time but now they actually appreciate it. Do you mind me asking what age are your children now? My eldest is 19 and uh, youngest is 10 so I have five kids. 
you have a big family there you said about working away from home with your own business um a, a number of years ago i suppose it is now did you go to agricultural college or were all your learnings on the on the farm learnings i did go to agricultural college um like i was born and raised in a dairy farm as i said uh, i was supposed to be the farmer um and the mistake i made was um when i talked to my dad at the time and, and said to him I wanted a farm with reduced chemicals and he got in, into a panic basically because he'd been um, I suppose indoctored into the chemical um, farming situation now it worked well for him he had very good land and he did a very good job but he was convinced he, it was impossible to grow without chemicals so he said the bank will have the farm in two years and he couldn't trust me with it I grew from that. It actually toughened me up a lot more as well. Uh, I went and started my own business. And so uh, I set up a hazardous waste haulage company um, in 2005. And uh, I sold that in 2016. So it sounds like everything happens for a reason. And we're all on this journey in life and, and our destination. We might see it, but there can be a few, a few challenges, let's say, along the way. And a farm is a family business like other family businesses where I I can't imagine working with my dad because I don't think he would have let me do the things that I would have thought were good for his business. And obviously he knew his business in a certain way that I didn't know it. As you say, it toughened you up, sent you off in a different direction, but then it brought you back now and you're able to do the things that you want to do and the way that you want them to do regenerative farming is very important to you. What exactly is regenerative farming? It's a um, relatively new term uh, in the, and it's really leaving more behind than you're taking out. So you're, you're building soil organic matter, you're um, building biodiversity, you're building health in your, the microbiome of, of the animals, and you're building health in the people who eat that food as well. So you, it's about leaving more behind than you, you take out. Um, so that's through uh, building the life in the soil. So composting, using no chemicals at all, uh, no artificial chemicals in the land, um, in the animals, because uh, and then in, in the meat itself, when, when we direct sell, we make sure that it's all gluten-free, that there's no cheap fillers added to it that there's no nitrates, there's, uh, we don't add any extra water, everything is dry cured. Um, so that's my idea of true regenerative farming. It's respecting the land right the way through to the meat, to the person then that eats it at the end. And you have pigs, you have cattle, you're growing vegetable, like it is, it's quite extensive what you do now on your farm. Yeah, we've got seven different enterprises. Uh, and again, to be, have proper biodiversity you need uh you can't be a monoculture you know is it to promote uh, all, all the different um uh ecosystems on the farm like we have beef we have trees we have uh bees we have hens laying eggs we've got chicken we've got turkeys we have um we do a lot of education as well so uh we invite people in we do uh, farm walks we do um, we light a fire pit um, 
and burn our own hardwood firewood from the tenons of the forest uh, and we we cook for people we we host different events and that's true biodiversity where like people are part of the biodiversity too it's it's not just plants so to get people down and a diverse group of people that can bounce off one another and learn from one another um that's what we're trying to achieve uh, on our small farm your passion is very clear when you talk, you know, you're really doing what you love to do and what you wanted to do all along. And you recently won the national award for sustainable farming, which must have been hugely satisfying for you to be recognized in that way. Definitely. There's, there's no, like, I'm not doing what I'm doing to win awards. Number one, I'm doing it because I actually believe 100% of what I do but to win the um, the RDS National Sustainability Award um, is um, like it's totally independent. It's not. It, it, it's it's a genuine award. Like even meeting the judges that we uh, we uh, met uh, over the previous four months, they're from all all different walks of life. They're from they're all voluntary as well. I I didn't believe that. I, I couldn't believe that either. So like they're just as passionate about what to do as as us and um so i learned a huge amount from them as well so even if it didn't win it was still well worth doing so i was just delighted that um they kind of got what we're trying to do and and um because it's really given me more credibility and more um i think it's more reassurance that what you're doing is the right thing yes now i had myself convinced I had, uh, I was going to win it anyway. I don't know why. My wife kept telling, saying to me, "Don't be disappointed if it doesn't work. It doesn't work." I said, "I just, you know, it was almost." Um, it was a gut feeling. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of people don't trust their gut um, when it comes to um, uh, judging things, and and uh, but it actually really. Um, I, I I just felt like it was it was the right time, and thank God it was. Now you know. That's fantastic and congratulations on that. And the other highlight I would say in your career to date was last year whenever you were one of the ambassadors at Food and the Age, which is a really incredible symposium that's run by JP McMahon, who is um, an award-winning chef based in Galway. Yes, and I didn't even know I was nominated for that um, as a food ambassador. It was one of my customers um, who loved what we did she actually sent an email through uh, and nominated me and the first I heard of it was when uh, Food on the Edge came back to say that I was on a shortlist I was delighted as well but I was like a fish out of water when I when I arrived at Airfield um, on the, the morning of the, the the first day it was like I knew nobody um, I, I didn't hadn't dealt with any chefs up until then it was all families that are, were my customers um so I walked in, I, I looked around the whole room and uh everybody was talking to everybody except for one man. And uh so I just went over to him. I introduced myself. Um now he turned out to be the head chef from at the lodge in Ashford Castle. Now I didn't know him at all and he didn't know me. We talked for maybe 15 minutes or 20 minutes about what, what we do. Now I'm a supplier um of our meats to Ashford Castle which is crazy. Like he rang me about a week later 
and um, I obviously gave him my details, but I didn't try and sell him anything. Uh, he rang me about a week later and said, I enjoyed what you were saying, uh, what you were telling me. Um, you were saying you have an ex- a farm walk. So he brought six chefs to the farm for our next farm walk in, uh, that November. And um, I had to actually tell them to go home. They, they, they wouldn't leave. <laughs> <laughs> and that, yeah, and, and, and I was supplying Ashford Castle. Uh, so food on the edge is very, very important. Um, just for making the connections. And it's a, it's a very human place to go. Like, as I said, it was totally alien to me. I knew nobody. But still, was welcomed in. I, I met so many different chefs. Met Doreen Allen. Like uh, we supplied Doreen Allen, uh, um, the cookery school now as well, and uh, several other chefs too. So uh, it, it's it, it was just at the right time. It's amazing the way events like that can open new doors um, to to people that take part. And this week we are going to meet in person at. Taste of Dublin. You are one of the guests at the Food for Thought with Love in Dublin talk stage that I'm hosting, delighted to be hosting this year. And on Sunday, you're going to be there. And the theme of your talk is Meet Your Food. Without giving too much away, what can people expect from your talk this Sunday? I want people to actually connect with where their food comes from again. And I am, and but the trouble with industrial farming at the moment is you're locked away from your from seeing the animals uh, a lot of the time especially your chicken your pigs um that kind of stuff i want people to um come to not just my farm but we're, we're building a, a network of farms around the, the country that are with the same principle and, and methods that, that i'm using and for people to come and actually meet the animals um it's not going to be Disneyfied. It's going to be it's they're working farms and explain and give people the knowledge that has been lost because there has been a gap. There's a generational gap that where people have been disconnected from the food, and if they genuinely see how it's been raised and the animal welfare and how the animal in, enhances the environment and actually builds biodiversity, um, I think you have a customer for life then. Absolutely. And Brandon, the final question I have for you is if your 19 year old daughter comes to you with a new idea for the farm, will you give her a fair hearing? It runs deep land, as you know, in families. Uh, and what I wanted to do was break that link of hardship. I'm not farming on the family farm, by the way. I bought the land I'm on myself. Um, my dad is still farming. He's uh, almost 80 now and he's still farming the farm at home. So I wanted to include my family from the very beginning. And that's another good reason to have the seven different enterprises. Each one actually works in each enterprise. And like Creva, our eldest, um, she manages the off-grid farm shop every Saturday. Um, I pay her for it. Um, she also does stock taking and does does all that kind of stuff. Um, right the way down to my youngest does the eggs and collects the eggs every day and, and I pay him for the eggs. He has some hens of his own then as well that he, he invested in. And uh, so a farm that doesn't include its family is not a true farm, I think. It has to be safe. We've no buildings. We've no slurry. We've no big machinery. We're working in a forest. We're working in peace and calm environment. It actually grounds everybody, especially my youngest. Like He loves what he's doing, but he's 
he needs grounding up and down. So you let him out into the forest and he disappears and comes back with loads of eggs. And um, one of the things he does is he brings his friends in too sometimes, which is perfect. I, I love that. And they have hen throwing competition, competitions where they actually pick up a hen, throw it up in the air. She'll fly then for a certain length of time and she'll land again. And whoever gets to the furthest wins. So um, they love that, you know. So I welcome all young people. Again, youth is the future. And at the moment, the average age of a farmer uh, is over 60. And within the next 15 years, 60% of the land in Ireland is going to change hands purely because of age. And that's never happened before in peace, peace times. And the young people don't want to take over the disheartened industrial farming systems that's happening as it is. Tell me, what does your father think of what you're doing now? I still call into the farm. We can talk, no problem. We don't talk business, right? We talk um, about the weather. We talk about football or whatever, whatever simple stuff. Well, you, you you don't talk business with him because um, he still thinks I'm mad. He still thinks that uh, it, it's going it, to, it's a kind of a niche thing that um, just because you have a couple of hundred customers doesn't mean that it, it, you can scale it up to uh, feed the world. So yeah, he still thinks I'm mad. But you probably think he's a bit mad still doing what he's doing. So, th th you know, you have a bit of common ground there, really. But it's good to hear that you have agreed to disagree, basically. Yeah, see, and that, this is one of the reasons why you need youth in any industry. Like, you can't expect the older uh, demographic to change. Like, they, they, like perfect example, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Um, you need the youth to regenerate an industry and like I don't blame him for the way he is he, this is this was his life or is his life you know so it's uh, but it is a very common theme around the country that um, there would be way more chemical free farming and regenerative farming if youth could get in to actually um, access the land well, listen, it's been a real pleasure talking to you today, Brandon. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person later on this week at Taste of Dublin. In the meantime, if anybody listening wants to maybe do one of the farm walks or wants to buy some produce from the farm, where's the best place for them to go to find out how to do that? Yeah, we've got a full retail website through fearviafarm.ie, which is F-I-O-R-B-H-I-A. F-A-R-M dot I-E. Now, we direct sell everything. So uh, we don't sell the shops. We don't sell the butchers. Um, so, uh, but we do have our farm shop on our, our, our farm. Now, our farm is a forest based just outside Port Leash. We're 100% off grid. We have no electricity, no running water. Um, so we dig ponds for water for animals. Also, them ponds help, re uh, like this time of the year, it's really, really dry. The ponds help actually hydrate the soil. Um, they're also full of um, dragonflies and, and fish and um, invertebrates and frogs and just several different amphibians swimming through at the moment. And also you'll find an odd pig swimming in, in one or two of the ponds too. Um, so it's we want people to come and see the farm as well. So... If you're, if it's possible, every Saturday, 
farm shop is open. See the place. We'll have the fire pit lit. You can. Uh, we have a barbecue every Saturday as well when when the shop is open. Um, cooking on our own timber, and we want people to come down, meet one another, have a chat, relax, enjoy the peacefulness of the the forest. Even go for a wander too, see the animals, um, and actually turn into a positive experience. Um, but if you can't come down, there's no problem. We can deliver as well. We deliver to Dublin every Wednesday. We deliver around um, uh, a lot of the country. We use our own van. You can text me. You can order online. There's loads of ways. We connect big time with people on Instagram and TikTok and get a lot of direct messages for for um, uh, farm walks and stuff like that too. And on our website also, we have lots of different activities that you can keep tune into. They'll be announced on Instagram as well, um, but you can book them through the website. Fantastic. Listen, Brandon, thanks again for talking to me and I look forward to seeing you later on in the week. Thanks, Sharon. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM.